0: For much of the American public, meeting a farmer is a positive experience, yet it's an uncommon one. A recent Gallup survey found farming and agriculture ranked just behind restaurants for the most positive impressions of 25 major American industries. At the same time, the number of farms in the U.S. is shrinking, the average age for a grower is increasing, and the connection to the land for many people is dropping less direct knowledge can lead to misunderstandings and considering the complexity of agriculture today understanding where our food comes from and how it's grown is more of a necessity now than ever before we're about to visit with someone on a passionate quest to bridge the gap between grower and consumer shay Myers, who works with many family members at owyhee produce
1: we haven't been transparent and clear in the mission and the the generational decisions that we make to be sustainable and have a long lasting, valuable business and to feed the consumer along the way.
0: Welcome to Redox Grows, an in-depth look at key issues affecting agriculture and the people that make it all happen. I'm your host, Jim Morris, with Redox Bionutrients in Burley, Idaho. And this is an exciting day here at our headquarters. Our second-generation business is meeting three family members for a third-generation ag business, the Myers family. So good to see you all today.
1: It's great to be here. here. Thank you.
0: Shay Myers is the CEO of Hawaii Produce, which grows, packs and ships onions, asparagus, watermelons and sweet corn, and he is firmly committed to reaching urban audiences with the importance of agriculture, regularly reaching millions of people with extremely entertaining and informative content. You can follow him at, at @shayfarmkid on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, as well as the Produce Common Sense podcast. Shea, why is it so important to tell the story of agriculture to an urban audience? The reason it's important
1: is because so many outside of the countryside, so many people in an urban environment don't understand where their food comes from. And it's not because they don't want to know. It's because we as producers don't take the time and make the effort to create the content to share that story with them.
0: So you generate an incredible amount of content, and I imagine you turn one way at the operation and you see a story, you turn another way, you see another one. Our visit today, you accomplished quite a lot at Redox, and we're so happy to show you around. When you're carrying those stories out, how easy are they to find different subjects?
1: Yeah, I guess that depends. Sometimes it's really easy, sometimes it's really hard, it depends on the day, but uh, you just have to realize that the simple things that you do as a producer are not simple things to other people. They don't see it, they don't do it, And so you just share what you're doing and document your day. There's always those that are a little bit more viral than others, but the truth of the matter is you never know which ones are going to be viral. Probably the most viewed video that I have is talking about how we store onions for eight or nine months at a time and why that's necessary and why it's important and how it's part of what we do. Uh, But I never knew that that was going to happen with that video. I simply created it and uh, the algorithm took care of the rest.
0: I do want to know about how many onions you produce, and then also how should we consumers care for onions? What's the best approach there? We farm about 1,200 acres of onions. We produce enough to feed the
1: annual consumption of about 36 million Americans. It ends up being somewhere between 150 and 180 million pounds of onions on an annual basis on our farm. The best way way to make them last is to keep them dry and cool. Uh, lots of times people want to put them in the refrigerator that's probably a mistake most of the time because it's nice and humid in there so dry and as cool as you can get but they don't need to be refrigerated
0: there are some stellar influences in agriculture and social media i'm thinking of zach johnson the millennial farmer rob sharkey shark farmer just as few a few of the examples so how encouraged are you in the pickup of ag stories in social media or does ag still have a long way to go
1: I think we've made improvement. I think there's still much, much more that we can do, much more that we need to do, because you can see it in social media today, the conversations that are had and the misunderstandings and misconceptions that are still in place about what agriculture does uh, from a, an environmental standpoint, from a social standpoint, um, from, from basically every angle the consumer still needs to understand and see the transparency in
0: what we're doing. If ag does not take that step and they do not do it correctly— what danger is there for farmers, ranchers, packers, everybody involved in the industry?
1: Uh, frankly, we're done. You can see what's happening in Europe, specifically in uh, in the Netherlands, with regulation that's putting farmers out of business. And the reason that that's happened is because those farmers have not spoken up. We haven't spoken up. We haven't been transparent and clear in the mission and the, the, the generational decisions that we make to be sustainable and have a long-lasting, valuable business and to feed the consumer along the way.
0: So Shay, I'd like to know a little more about the name of your business. Tell me why Awaihi Produce. What does that word mean?
1: Awaihi is actually an 18th century spelling of Hawaii. During the, the popularity of the beaver pelt industry that existed uh, in the United States, the fur traders contracted, they had labor problems back then too, just like we face today. They brought people from the sandwich islands from the Hawaiian islands to trap beaver in our area. And several of those people were lost in the mountains, never to be seen again. And in homage to them, they named the mountains the Owyhee Mountains.
0: And now I'd like to ask you, Robin, about the work that you do at the produce operation. What are some of the jobs that you have?
2: So they call me the fire chief. I kind of handle all the problems that are handed to us throughout the different departments, try to see if I can find a corrective actions or someone that can help us so that we can mitigate those those problems and try to Keep things going on the right path. S- certainly on some weeks, it's much more than others. Just depends. Just like everyone has talked about, the more regulations and the more things that come down, the more things that we have to face and the more you know, policies and procedures we have to have in place and follow, those are things that we have to do every day and continuously every day, and I don't see that changing in the future.
0: Tell me about the family business, please.
2: My father started farming after the Korean War in 1954, and we have slowly you know, brought more family back all the time. We have 13 different family member or, or families involved now, um, both on the farm side and the packing side. Some of them do books, some do, you know, sales. We just, we, we, some on the farm, a little bit of everywhere. We try to say that if you're coming back to the farm, we're trying to grow the pie bigger because not, not you know, no one wants to give up their piece of the pie. but So you have to bring new ideas and tr- be able and willing to grow the pie.
0: Our family really enjoyed your asparagus festival, and we sure hope to be back next year. I was amazed at the amount of work and skill and high-tech equipment that you have for that. How much of a change has that been in your time at the company?
2: We used to sort it by hand and band it by hand, and now that is all automated. Do a lot, in in you know course, because of the labor shortage, we couldn't get the people to do it, and the equipment became available, so now... We we have about 50% of the people that we used to have, and it's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you look at it.
0: So the first day I came here, Darren, our CEO, said one of the very basic tenets here at Redox is to tell the truth. Do you have a basic tenet or words that you go by as a company?
2: We do. Our mission statement is we will do by what we say or by handshake, we, we will do what we say. So we follow through. Whether there's a sign contract or a word of mouth or a handshake, we're going to do what we say we're going to do because that's what business is all about, is building relationships so that people rely on you and you rely on them.
0: Tell me about Shay. Did you know years ago that he was going to jump into social media and have the success that he has?
2: I knew he was always going to farm. He, he spent a lot of time with his grandfather out on the farm setting siphon tubes and working on the farm. He didn't get into social media until later. And every once in a while, um, his grandmother will tell him he needs to come down off his high horse and and remember who he is because um, he's just one of us. But he has done a great thing with social media. Letting people, farming 101, it's, it's a good thing for people to learn what really is happening on the farm and how that food really gets to your plate. It's not as easy as what most people think.
0: And getting that message out is vital and he does such a great job with it. Tell me about your visit today at Redox and your thoughts.
2: It's been a great visit. I have learned a lot. Uh, There is a lot more to learn. It sounds very exciting. I'm I'm really excited to see what is out there and maybe what they can offer to us or to other farmers. Farmers gamble a lot. And so maybe this is something that can mitigate some of that and we can look at it and see if there's some opportunities there because I think there could be.
0: And now I want to talk with Bailey Myers for a moment. Bailey, you've been very busy today. What are some of your jobs as you help Shay out?
3: Yeah, so I originally came back to the farm with an agritourism degree. And since then, I've kind of stepped into the role of doing social media, getting the content, helping behind the scenes, getting the things that Shay needs in order to have the content to educate. Um, both Shay and I are really passionate about telling the farmer's story. If we don't tell it, someone else will tell it for us, and it's probably not going to be the most accurate or positive light on a farmer. So we've kind of taken the job of advocating for ag.
0: And I think you have a personality similar to mine in this respect. I saw you today running around making sure you got all the shots you need to get, and I was very, very impressed with that. How much of a perfectionist are you, Bailey?
3: I would say that I used to be a extreme perfectionist, but with the job, you kind of learn that you don't always get the perfect shot. You just have to make the shots work for you. There's not a way to really train everyone that's going to be in a video or have the crops look perfect. And it's our job to show consumers and buyers and everyone who doesn't see this in a daily life that ag isn't always pretty and it's not perfect all the time. Letting them see the imperfections has been a hard thing for me to learn, but I think it's something that needs to be passed on to the consumer side.
0: Showing the real 24-7 out there on the farms is really critical, so I commend you for that. Tell me about agritourism. This is an area that is expanding. Do you think it will expand more? It may not be necessarily for every farm or ranch, but those that do it seem to have success and get a lot of joy out of it too.
3: Agritourism is a new up and coming thing. When I started going to school, Um, After high school, I took a year off and was able to serve in the capacity of what's called a state officer for Oregon FFA. And I had the opportunity to go teach at schools where they had ag programs. And even going to schools that were just across the state from where we live, I learned that people don't understand agriculture if it's not around them. Even if they're in ag, it's so different and diverse everywhere you go. So agritourism to me was a great way to educate but in a memorable way so you kind of talked about the asparagus festival something where you can take such a simple item and make it a celebration and something that brings people together they keep that memory but they also maintain that educational piece of it and if if more farmers could get behind agritourism it would really help bridge that gap between consumers and producers and helping them build a bond of trust
0: where do you see yourself 10 20 years from now
3: I definitely hope to be on the farm, probably with more agritourism events and really getting behind the educational piece, whether it's through social media or maybe there's a whole new avenue by then. But if we don't continue to advocate, there's not a lot of things that are going to continue on a farm. So advocating for ag will still be something in my future and definitely on the farm.
0: You may not get wealthy when you farm, but what benefits do you see out of this lifestyle?
3: It's definitely true. There's a, a lot of downsides that people see when they look at agriculture. It's not a nine to five job. You don't get the the vacation days and the mental breaks like you would hope to have in a, in a normal office job. But you get experience that you can only gain in the lifestyle of an agriculturalist. You get the flexibility of having a busy time of year and a slower time of year. You get to see the reward of planting something and watching it go all the way to the grocery store where people can send you pictures of what you have grown and accomplished. And it's a unique sense of satisfaction when you get the chance to see that. And it's definitely a family-oriented industry. They have to have the backup plan. They have to have people who are there to support them. When you need that harvest time push, you need people that you can call. And if you have family around or even friends, it kind of builds this very tight knit where you know that your your neighbors might be a, c- a competitor, but if push comes to shove, they're willing to come and help you. And that's something that doesn't always happen in other industries.
0: And I have to ask you one Shay story. Did you know he was going to hop into social media and be as successful as he is? Was there anything early on or was this a big surprise for you?
3: Shay's always been someone who likes to talk, whether it's about business or really anything. I make fun of him all the time. We can never have a very quiet moment. He's either on the phone working or he wants to talk. So having him be on social media didn't really surprise me. But I think finding out that there was such a need for someone to advocate for agriculture really shocked me. And that Shea was so passionate about it, it really just fell into place. And he became successful with a lot of work, but enjoying telling the story along the way.
0: And Shay, I want to ask you just a couple of final questions. You're bilingual, so how important is that in the work that you do, and how much do you appreciate your workforce?
1: Being bilingual is critical. I think uh, with language comes cultural understanding, and, and understanding someone's culture means that you can appreciate them and their family and their efforts more. And so that's critical, uh, both for for me to relate to our employees and our team members and vice versa. Uh, we can talk and converse and understand each other in a way that is impossible without um, having the ability to converse with them.
0: And you, I believe, have two Spanish degrees, and you've also done some bilingual interviews. What kind of an opportunity is that? Because so many people speak different languages, and we need to reach everybody that we can. Yeah, I've been surprised as I've traveled more into California, how many
1: of those farmers are bilingual. I used to think I was a little bit unique. I'm less so than uh, many might imagine. So I, I'm not super special in the ability to, to to be bilingual and to communicate in Spanish, but it is valuable and it does really have an impact on those that you work with and the people that um, have the the opportunity to listen to you.
0: When you see the people harvesting, packing, etc., what do you think about that work ethic? I've spoken with One individual on your operation, I was terribly impressed with him, and these people are not often seen or heralded, but the work ethic is unbelievable. Your thoughts?
1: What we do is impossible without uh, an immigrant workforce. You know, there's 9 million job openings in the United States today. There's simply not enough people to do the work, and we, we need people willing to do it, but we also need to be appreciative and understanding of the people who are doing it.
0: One of your enterprises, Buck Naked Onions, what is that?
1: Yeah, Buck Naked Onions is a peeling operation. We take onions and we take the, uh, the, the outer two layers of the onion off so that it's completely usable. And we send that to processors and uh, other users across the country.
0: And value added is probably a good inter- enterprise for people in agriculture to get into when it makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Vertical integration is the reason that we're here. If we didn't vertically integrate and we were a standard farming operation, some of us would still be on the farm. But this dream, the vision that my grandfather had to have his grandchildren working together um, as team members on, on his farm growing and being participating in that legacy and helping grow it would never have happened if we were just... Uh, growers, right? We have to be growers, packers, shippers, marketers, processors, and uh, content producers, I guess, sometimes, so that we can create those opportunities for others to come back.
0: How do you think agriculture will evolve into things like robotics and AI? Well, the future, because
1: of the the, the 9 million job openings and the pressure and the lack of labor, there, there's really a natural progression. We we don't want to get rid of those workers um, or even replace them. We, we simply can't fill every position. And so automation is a natural course of events, natural progression that we have to take if we want to be in business in in this country. We have too much competition from um, other nations where they don't have the same costs um, and the same challenges in many ways that we do. And one of those ways for us to compete and to stay viable is to adopt uh, automation and robotics and that type of thing.
0: I started this with a comment, and I'm going to end it with the same comment. We're second-generation family operation. You're a third-generation family operation. Your thoughts on the value of family and also meeting the Redox family.
1: Yeah, meeting the uh, Redox family was great. Um, I think you can always learn. Um, if you're willing to listen, you can learn from other people and from their experiences. And so to hear Darren talk about his boys and them coming back to the business and to hear the passion that all of them have and the contribution that they're all making was really cool. And uh, I think they shared lessons with us, just like we shared lessons with them. And there's a lot to take away. But I think what we'll take away really at the end of the day is that communication and transparency and honesty is really what makes the difference.
0: And Robin, I'm going to give you the last word I want to ask you. At the end of the day, what does family mean to you? Everything. I think that sums it up really well. I'm very grateful to visit with you three today. That will wrap up this episode. And again, Shay Myers is a great follow on social media. Look for Shea Farm Kid on all the major channels. And a reminder, you can send us comments and ideas to podcast at redoxgrows.com. Find out more on our website, redoxgrows.com. Thanks for listening.